Hey, White Sox fans. It's Brett Ballantini here at the Southside Sox podcast. And believe it or not, James Fox has been around with us for a while now, but this is his first. Number 14 is his first appearance on the Southside Sox podcast. If you're watching, if you're listening, uh, here we are. We're going to talk White Sox. We're going to take it a little bit past maybe the furor of the last couple weeks. And I'm going to try to throw some stuff at James that maybe he hasn't talked about, given that he's been talking White Sox. Well, I don't know. I don't think you ever stopped talking White Sox. But welcome, James. Thank you for joining. Oh, Brett, thanks for having me. Good to be here. And me and James have already talked about all the stuff we can't really talk in a podcast. So we're, we're all right. We're, we're, we're amped up. We're ready to go. So we're going to jump right into it. And let me, let me hit you with one question, James. The third catcher. Let's kick off with the third catcher. Rick Hahn, uh, during, I guess maybe it was Adam Eaton press conference, whatever it was, uh, you know, indicated that he was comfortable with the three options the White Sox have as backup catcher. Zach Collins is the guy who gets a ton of play as, hey, this guy needs a chance. Uh, where do you stand on the backup catcher situation, given that we know we're going to lean on Grandal for a ton of games? Uh, and the White Sox, do they need to bring somebody in? Uh, are you happy with what they have? Yeah, so, I mean, Rick Hahn obviously indicated that they're happy with what they have. Now, a lot of that's probably GM speak, I'm assuming, because, you know. Now, I don't know if they'll sign somebody on a major league deal, but I do think they'll sign somebody. I think Collins is probably on the team, like, for sure, right? So, I think your 26-man rosters, um, <clears throat> my guess is they'll keep three catchers. They currently have one, which is Yasmani Grandal. And then even if you put Collins in there and he DHs some, you probably need one more catcher. And I wouldn't be surprised if Lucas Giolito has, you know, a personal catcher of some sort. So even if that's like Kevin Smith returns, like on some sort of minor league wink, wink deal. And it's like, yeah, you're going to make the team, but you know, you got to be on a minor league deal, like through spring training or something like that. I do think they sign a vet. Um, What that means for Sebi Zavala and Yerman, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I I don't know if anybody really feels comfortable like as AL central favorites with, Zach Collins and Yerman Mercedes as your backups to Yasmani Grandal. But I also don't think they're going to go out and spend on, you know, like a Jason Castro level guy or even somebody like that. Um, Tyler Flowers, you know, he's out there still. You know, guys like that could achieve what you're looking for, I think. Jeff Mathis has a history with uh, Lance Lynn. He's like 38 now. But, you know, if all you want is a defender, I think at this stage, like those guys are pretty cheap. I, I did see, obviously, you know, there are people talking about Yadi Molina. Something like that makes no sense to me. <laughs> like something like like the scenario we had with James McCann, right? Like everybody likes James McCann, but it just wasn't going to work because, like, that guy needs to play more. And, you know, you're probably going to need DH in first base, at, like, days for Grandal. So adding somebody else to the mix, you know, when you already have Jose Abreu at first, and Eloy and left, and Andrew Vaughn probably for a good chunk of the season. I just, like, don't think adding, like, another everyday type catcher, you know, because you have DH, like, makes any sense for this team. But, you know, well, ho- hopefully, I, you know, hopefully, you know, cheap veteran, and then and then Collins is probably my guess. Yeah, it would be uncommon for the White Sox to continue to decide to pay Yasmati Grandal as much as they did, because that was not an easy check to write, I'm sure. Uh, and then have him play, you know, essentially as you know, basically just a little bit more than a regular starter. At some point, they are going to have to try to get, you know, they can just have to try to get some games out of the guy, even if it is moving him around playing DH in first base. What's the thought, James, on Zach Collins as a first-round choice? Who hasn't really gotten a, a total shake, obviously, at the major level? He's had taste. Um, what 
what do the White Sox, what do major teams owe a first-round player? Do they owe him this opportunity? I'm hearing a little bit of sentiment with, with Zach where it's like, you know, he hasn't had a shot. You know, he's, he's owed something. Are, are these guys owed the opportunity to sort of play their way into or out of the league? I don't, I don't think he's owed anything. I think they, like, said that when they signed Yasmani Grandal. Um, I do think they like him. I think the problem with Zach Collins is just, like, the type of player that he is. Like, I've always been a fan. Um, pe- you know, I- I've been accused of being the Zach Collins guy kind of over at Future Sox when other people kind of jumped off the ship. I think he can hit righties. I think he gets on base at a high clip. If you look in the minors, like, you know, he, he hit 400 on base percentages. Now, you know, his game – isn't aesthetically pleasing because he does K a ton, right? So he's like your typical three true outcome guy. <clears throat> I think he's got big time power. I think he can hit against righties. He probably shouldn't ever face lefties. Um, but but that's also the issue, right? The issue is he hasn't really had a chance to play, um, but he's never really going to have like a ton of playing time, I don't think. And I think he's the type of player where to be his most effective, he needs to play a lot. So he may never be anything. Because like he's like his profile doesn't really fit well playing sparingly, you know, and it just doesn't seem like he's going to get that much time. On the other hand, he doesn't have much value either, right? Like if you could trade Zach Collins right now for a, you know, a controllable reliever that could help you, like could they? Yeah, sure, they could make that deal, but I don't even know if they could get that for him because like there's no, you know, there's no evidence that Zach Collins can play because he hasn't played at all. I, I thought it was really puzzling the way they handled you know, the end of 2019. And I know that Ricky uh, wasn't a big fan of Zach Collins and he didn't play, but I mean, they're playing Wellington Castillo over him, like in September in 2019, you know, it made no sense. Same thing with, you know, they're playing Yolmer and you don't get to see Mendick at all. Like are Mm -hmm. Mendick and Collins like going to be anything? I don't know, probably not, but like you might as well see like you're bad. And, you know, I, I, (laughs) I I always thought, I always thought that was weird. Now I do know Grandall and uh, Collins have a relationship dating back to like Miami. So, you know, that's good, I guess. I, I think Collins is going to get his opportunity. I don't think they need a backup. Um, but they also don't want something to happen to Yasmani, and then you're relying on Zach Collins when you're trying to win an American League Central. Yeah. So, I guess what's know, re- it's, reassuring, all told, is that the, 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 the seg from Zach, if he's not able to do it or gets hurt, to your mean or even Sebi, isn't so dramatic that you can't handle right. it. Now, Grant, you probably don't want to be caught with your pants down to that degree, but the fact that there's, at this point, subtle differences, even if Zach is the, is the, right. the clear number two going in. Uh, and, and you're right, I think it makes sense to have three guys. In, you know, uh, Zach is sort of the hybrid <laughs> sort of catcher, but, you know, you got to have a sort of catcher. If they had a sort of catcher even all this last short summer, some of the issues in Encarnacion might have been less pronounced, or they might have been forced sooner because Ricky would have been, you know um, – yeah you know, feet to the fire even faster if, you know, I mean, for a while there, you could say, well, I, what option do I have? You know, right. Yomer's my third catcher. Or whatever. Well, I, I do think Ricky Renteria's dismissal helps Zach Collins. That's one of the things that I gleaned from this is, <clears throat> look, like, Rick Hahn oversaw the 2016 draft. He's not the one scouting Zach Collins and, like, ultimately deciding to pick him. Like, right, Nick Hostetler gives that recommendation. But, like, Rick Hahn signed off on it. Like, you don't think Rick Hahn wants to see Zach Collins play? Like, he probably did. You know, Ricky didn't trust Zach Collins, and maybe he shouldn't have. But, yeah. you know, that's one of the reasons why we haven't seen Zach Collins. And now that Ricky's gone, like, you know, maybe we will. Who knows? Maybe Tony won't like him either. <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, we'll, we'll find out. 
All right, let's hop onto the mound and do some talking to finish up the first half of this podcast. And let's start with closure because another a bunch of buzz around the White Sox is Liam Hendricks. Obviously, Alex uh, Colome is a free agent. He's not a guy who's necessarily going to come back. Certain, I haven't heard any talk, so it's, it's not as if he's uh, first on the list to be the closer. So, but let's let's rather than just talk players, let's talk about the importance of closer. White Sox have arms, guys who could who obviously could fulfill that role. Whether they can fulfill the so-called you know the, the mental aspect of the role. You got Aaron Bummer, you got Foster, you got Hoyer, you got other arms coming up. How integral is it for for this year's team or even years to come to to sign to specifically pluck a guy that, that says closer and bring him onto your team? Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't think it's that integral, but I think Tony probably thinks that it is, right? I mean, and having seen the way he handles the bullpen is going to be interesting, right? Because that's like been perceived as one of his strengths, but he's never managed like the way the bullpen is now. Right. Right. He was notorious for like using three pitchers to get three outs, like before anybody else ever did. And now you can't do that type of stuff. So I, you know, I think Liam Hendricks is where they would like to spend their money. Liam Hendricks is awesome. I would prefer like, you know, to not go out and buy closers. I think, I think what you do, I think you, you know, if you create your own relievers and then trade them and create more is kind of my philosophy. Like Cody Hoyer could probably close, right. um, you know, but on the other hand, like, you know, th- there's an argument going around on White Sox Twitter today that, you know, it's kind of like, you know, it's not my money, right? Like, I don't care if they, <laughs> if they, if they get Liam Hendricks, but we've seen clearly like this ownership group under Jerry Reinsdorf, like if they sign Liam Hendricks to a four-year contract and he's bad, it's going to change what they do two years from now. It, it's not just like, you know, <clears throat> where you're the Red Sox or the Yankees where you just gloss over the mistakes and buy something else. Like, they don't do that. Like, they live with, you know, the guys, like, still going to be running out there because that's how they do things. So I understand the apprehension from fans. Now, you know, is it – could they not sign Liam Hendricks and do somebody cheaper and then get another better starter? Like, yeah, I'd prefer that. Um, but I, I think it just – I think it just depends. I, I don't think they need to go out and get a closer – I think they've developed relief pitching really well. That's one of the things they've actually done pretty well. Um, you know, so you got Cody Hoyer and you got Bummer down there. I do think they're going to add somebody. Though. So even if Hendricks goes somewhere else, you know, Colome is still out there. There's uh, Kirby Yates I've seen mentioned, you know, is another guy from San Diego. And then there's uh, Trevor Rosenthal too, who I thought pitched for Tony, but didn't. I think he was still in the minors, like, all the way back in 2011, the last time Tony managed. So, you know, is it a necessity to me? No, but they've traditionally done it because, look, our, you know, our, our frugal baseball team here, I, I think they don't really play at the top of the free agent market, as we know, but they've played at the top of the free agent market for catcher and for relief pitching because, you know, the top at those positions, it's a little bit more comfortable than, you know, the top at starting pitcher and outfielder. So, I, I think, you know, I think we get a signing here at some point. Um, I do think they want to build build at least one more veteran bullpen arm back there. I just, you know, there there are obvious – there are other ways to build baseball teams, though. Well, James, whether Trevor actually played – whether Trevor, Trevor Rosenthal actually played under Tony La Russa, he learned the Cardinal way. So it's just as good. It's he did, good. yes. All right, let's hop, I guess, to what you referred to and I think what – well, let's not call fans smart or dumb, but smarter fans would probably acknowledge there's a bigger need and a more pressing need and a more wide open gap for the White Sox, and that's filling out this rotation. You got young arms who are going to fill a role, but right now the young arms, 
everybody healthy, young arms would still be filling two spots in a five-man rotation. Uh, that's still probably a big ask. What do you think the White Sox are looking to do? Are they going to go for a reclamation type of guy to slot in at four or five? Is there? I know there's a limited amount of legit arms out there, but do you think they're working the phones hard to try to get something legit for a number four and then just sort of say, okay, fifth, we don't even need it uh, 32 times, 36 times a year. Uh, you know, let's, let's just see how it falls. Yeah, so I think one more starter is definitely coming. I think the easy answer is Jose Quintana returns, and I don't think anybody would have an issue with that. You know, I do think he has a market, though. You know, I don't think it'll be another fairly high-priced multi-year, you know, like a Jake Odorizzi or like a uh, Masahiro Tanaka. I don't think it'll be a guy like that where you're going to have to probably commit three or four years. But it could be Quintana short-term. Or uh, Garrett Richards, you know, is another name of a guy that could slot in, like, as a number four type starter. Um, or, you know, there's always the option that they, they, they do go cheaper. And it's like a Trevor Cahill type who worked with new pitching coach Ethan Katz last year in San Francisco and wasn't bad. Now, I think they think Michael Kopech is, like, a big part of this thing next year. But, look, Michael Kopech's going to be on an innings limit probably around a hundred or so. Like there, I don't think there's any chance Michael Kopech breaks North with the team. And, and that's not even like, look, service time goes into it. I'm sure, I'm sure they'd like to, you know, manipulate a little bit more, but you can't start with Michael Kopech if he's going to be limited like that, because you have 26 roster spots. Like, what are you going to do? Right? Like he's got to go down get on his pitching program and then he joins you. And then, you know, you get as many of those 120 innings in the big leagues as possible, but you'd rather have them at the end than the beginning. So, and then I think Dylan Cease probably starts as your number five. So I do think they'll bring in a vet to be your four starter. Cease probably starts as your five. Dunning's obviously gone. You know, I think, you know, Jimmy Lambert at this point, after another arm injury, might be strictly a reliever. And then you're looking like Bernardo Flores, Jonathan Stever, those type guys. One interesting thing that new pitching coach Ethan Katz said on a 670 to score interview about Ronaldo Lopez was that he kind of sees him as an impact reliever possibly. Mm -hmm. So look, Lopez is out of options. So Lopez is either going to be on the White Sox or he's going to be elsewhere. Um, I I don't see him in the rotation. I think, you know, that experiment here anyways is over. If somebody else sees him as a starter, maybe you you deal him to a team that thinks he can start. But I think, you know, I think it's Cease and a vet and then Kopech at some point yeah. um, but I but I don't I'd be stunned if they if they went into the season like what you suggested right like if right now if they don't do anything else you know if it's Cease, Kopech, Lopez for two spots like I'd be I'd be stunned I just well, I just don't know who the name is like Quintana's the easy name and he's been mentioned but he might have multiple years from somebody too And it's further complicated by the fact that what we're hearing about the potential start of the season, if we're even starting on time, I know there's talk about pushing it back, is that there might even be staggered spring training where you've got these younger guys, a guy that Kopech would fit in, obviously Steber and all those guys would fit into this group that would be ticketed for the minors. And so then how do they even sync up with the team? The idea of breaking, under that circumstance, the idea with breaking camp in any kind of surprise fashion as a rookie becomes almost yeah. nil because you're just you're not going to get that time you might right. not even so, be there yeah so my guess is like it'll be 40 man players and then anybody that you invite right so those guys will probably be in big league camp but the problem then is like when you don't bring Kopech with you where does he go right because the minor, <laughs> the minor league seasons 
Right, so he's going to be in Arizona pitching sim games, I'm, I'm guessing, or minor league games. But, yeah, so th- this is the same argument for Andrew Vaughn, right? Like, yeah. Andrew Vaughn hasn't played above high A, and I think a lot of people don't have the stomach for thinking Andrew Vaughn's going to be the primary DH, right? Now, his path is not going to be normal, um, but he's also not going to just, like, go to double A for a full season. Like, they almost brought him up last year. Yeah. Like, not that he's ready, but they don't think he's that far away. Right. So even if you're doing the typical service time manipulation thing where he's down for 10 days, well, that doesn't work this year because there's nowhere to send him. Like, it's not like he's like, let's say, you know, everything goes well and the major league season still starts in April. Well, the minor league season's not starting until probably late May. It's still going to be a month difference between the major league and minor league season. So like, what are you sending him down to do? Like, he's yeah. just, he's just going to be in Arizona swinging. I mean, you know, so that that's one of like the, you know, I guess far away, like, storylines for later is what do they do with some of these guys that you know they see as part of this thing but not initially so you know I think everybody really wants to see Michael Kopech I want to see him too but um starting him hot like right out of the gate and then he shut down August 1st like doesn't really doesn't really do anything for anybody right Right. right, as much as I want to avoid specific names just let's set up a scenario where let's say Jose Quintana is the guy he's your number four uh, and listen, I was sort of big on getting uh, uh, Gio Gonzalez. It surprised me that he, he that in so many different ways he faltered for the Sox, even in this very short season. Tell me why Jose or a guy like him that they're going to get and pretty much get to slot in at four and just provide that comfort for the, the five spot. Tell me if or why uh, we should feel a little more comfortable with that as a rotation filler than maybe a, a year ago with Gio. I just think Jose Quintana is better. I think I think there's a better shot that he's going to be healthy. I think he's been healthy. Obviously, he was hurt last year, but he what he cut himself on a exactly. was that the Michael Jordan injury? Did he cut himself on a cigar cutter or something? Uh, I don't even know what it was. Yeah, I, didn't, I didn't follow kitchen. the nurse. I think I might have been yeah. kitchen. Yeah, so he cut his finger, right? So even if Jose Quintana is not the White Sox version of Jose Quintana, like he's a number four starter, like you know, I think you just want innings, right? And yeah. I think Gio just wasn't dependable. I think we're lucky that we didn't see. You know, like, he only had to, like, do it for 60 games, right? Like, they, it was going to be a 162 with Geo, and then I'm assuming they thought that, like, Kopech was going to take that spot, right? So I do think he got forced into action a little bit, you know, maybe more than they thought. But look, like, that, he was like a rotation piece for a team that thought that they could kind of win, right? Mm-hmm. I think it's definitely going to be somebody better than Geo. Um, that would be – that would be rough if, if it was like a, like an equivalent to that. Do you think so. that experience with the injury, the fact that, you know, he came and they knew he was, he's, he's more veteran. Uh, he battled a little bit of shoulder issue. Um, you think that's going to make the White Sox less apt to uh, go for any kind of reclamation guy uh, who, who may have a little bit of an uh, injury past? You know, I, I discounting yeah. somebody like Jose because yeah. that was a freak accident. Right, yeah. I, I think if they did it, they'd do it with somebody with, like, far more upside and stuff, right? So, like, Garrett Richards has had, like, a bunch sure. of issues too. But if his, but if him at, like, his his peak is way better, right? But, no, I think you're right. I think when you're looking at Gio Gonzalez, I think they legit thought, like, we have all these young starters penciled in that we want to see. Gio is going to be our five, right? In this case – you have to sign a vet starter to be your four. So, you know, I do think they need somebody. And I think, look, hopefully, like, you know, Dylan Cease and Kopech are both awesome and, like, it doesn't matter and, like, the veteran gets pushed to the bullpen, right? But, like, betting on that doesn't really make any sense, right? I think Dylan Cease, um, 
probably does a little bit better under Ethan Katz, right? But what if Dylan Cease is a bullpen guy? And we don't know, you know, then then you have another rotation hole. So, look, you've never had too much pitching, obviously. Um, I think it's more of a need to get another veteran starter than it is, you know, to spend all your money on closer, um, which which leads me to believe that they're going to do both. I You know, I do kind of think – some people are going a little bit overboard right now, freaking out about the Sox spending habits. And look, we, we can get into their spending habits. Like it, they're puzzling. Right. But I truly don't think Rick Hahn tells the media to stay tuned. If like, they don't have other stuff coming. Right. He's, he's a little bit smarter than that. He would have, he would have couched it with the whole, like, Oh, you know, the pandemic has hit everybody tough. Like, we'll see what we can do. And he didn't do that. He clear, very clearly was like, you know, yeah, we did Adam Eaton and it didn't cost that much money because we have, pitching priorities that we have to get done. And it sounded like they're going to get them done. And for all the inactivity, nobody else has done anything either. So, you know, you trade it for Lance Lynn and you got Adam Eaton and you know, that doesn't excite everybody, but like all the free agents are still free agents because nobody's signing anybody. So it's like, we still have a whole off season in front of us. All right. We are going to take a short break here on the podcast. I will continue with James Fox, more esoteric questions for James Fox in just a minute. Okay, we are back at Southside Sox Podcast number 14. I'm here with, lucky to be here with James Fox, late of, of CLTV, Future Sox, Loop Sports, Southside Hip Pen, countless others, football coach, teacher. He's a man here on the podcast. James, thanks for being here, and let's get into the second half of things. We've sort of teased it a little bit in the first half here, but let's just widen it a little bit more. I'm going to ask are the White Sox done? But I mean that in a way that do you think something really out of the ordinary could fall to the White Sox? And I'm thinking maybe the market being uh, flat, pandemic, et cetera, uh, the White Sox being a team, Rickon's maybe made it pretty clear there still is some money to spend. Uh, do you think something falls the White Sox way? Or are we going to see with what they do between now and opening day being about what you'd expect, the Quintana at four and, and so forth? What do you think the odds are of something – truly a little bit out of the ordinary might happen. So I, you know, I don't, I don't think it's going to be something at like the top of the market, right. Where Trevor Bauer all of a sudden decides like, sure, I'll take two years and 60 million and come to the White Sox. I, I, you know, I'm not, I don't think anything like that, but I do think there's some merit to, you know, if they want to solve closer here, right. And whether that's Liam Hendricks or somebody, because look, none of the other back end bullpen guys are going to sign until Hendricks does. Hendricks is holding out for a fourth year. We'll see if somebody gives it to him. I think they'd like to get that done. And then maybe you let the rest of the market come to you, you know, like maybe, maybe Hendricks doesn't, you know, maybe he goes to the Dodgers or something and, you know, you spend a lot less at closer and then all of a sudden Michael Brantley is feasible. Right. And Michael Brantley DHs and plays left or something. Right. One of the names I've heard that's interesting is Tommy LaStella. Um, I think he, that fits really well. Um, I think, you know, you never have enough players. I think he hits, I hit, he hit righties at a really good clip. I think he had a 150 weighted runs created plus against righties. He probably shouldn't play against lefties. Um, but if Andrew Vaughn's not starting on the team, like they do have like another lineup spot open to be flexible if they want. Right. So I, I think something like that interests me where there's just kind of like somebody sitting out there on the market and it's like March and the socks are pretty good and the guy's cheaper than like you thought he would be. And you add, and look, I mean, 
Tony La Russa isn't for everybody, right? But there are some people that, like, are totally fine. Like, they would, like, come play for Tony La Russa. Like, we've seen that. Like, right. Lance Lynn's super excited about right. it. I think Tony La Russa wanted Adam Eaton. Adam Eaton's here. So, yeah, I mean, th- there's a certain segment that I think would come to the – because I think the White Sox are that team now, right? Where, like, yeah. somebody could sign here because they want to go to the playoffs and potentially win. I, I think that's the, you know, the window there. So, I think there's a benefit to waiting instead of like getting all their stuff done. Like, look, as much as I would like three signings this week and have their off season be over. And then I could talk about it the rest of the time (laughs) to them, you know, it might make sense to let the market come Mm -hmm. to them a little bit, but I don't think, I mean, I don't look, I don't think it's going to be Bauer Springer or anybody like that. If you look at their payroll though, I think their payroll is like right around 113, 114. Well, if you, you know, they set arbitrary limits all the time and I don't know what that arbitrary limit is, but if it's around 140, there's probably still some moves coming. So that's, you know, at least a little bit exciting. Yeah, okay. Another way to pose the question then is, do the White Sox, do their infamous uh, fiscal responsibility, because Han, as much as he said other things, also acknowledged, you know, very early on in the offseason, hey, it's been, a, it's been a weird year, you know, everybody's taking a hit, et cetera. So there's always, there's always prime in that pump to a degree where it's like, hey, don't expect too much. Uh, or the fact that this might be a time to, to zag when everybody else is zigging and say, hey, listen, this market is falling to us. Let's take advantage. If, if you had to guess, what do you think wins out there with the White Sox this, this offseason? But if I had to guess that, like, the market would come back to them? Just whether or not they're going to exploit that if it does, assuming it does, because, you know, things are quiet and there are a lot more teams than just the White Sox yeah, uh, preaching so- for yeah, like, I kind of thought that they would spend because, you know, like, when he hired Tony, I was like, okay, well, they're spending, right? I think it just depends. I think I've jokingly said that Tony LaRusso is the most powerful, the second most powerful man in the organization. Um, you know, I like the fact that Liam Hendricks um, is, like, a member of the same, like, animal rescue charity that Tony LaRusso is, is a member of, Right. So there's like some rumblings that Liam Hendricks wants to play for Tony. Uh, kind of the same thing with Tommy Lestello was in Anaheim with him, right? So I think it does kind of, you know, Jerry's always kind of been like, he goes with whoever the last person in the room was that like told him something, right? Jerry's always kind of been like that, right? So, you know, I think if guys are sitting around, I do think it's, I think it's likely that they'd, they'd kick the payroll up a little bit um, if it's a guy that like Tony wants. Now I do think, they probably want to leave a little bit in the coffers for the deadline, you know, because that's like your prime area, right? Like if you're in first place in the AL central, but you think the East winner and the West winner are a little bit better then yeah, then maybe you do add because they do have a ton of prospects and, you know, not all of them are going to be yours once they make it to the majors, if they do make it to the majors. So yeah, I think it's I think it's likely. And I, and like I said, I think that's why they, I think that's why they'd like to wait, right? Because the market, is so flooded, you know, with players, like, look at it, like, even at like DH, like, I don't, I don't foresee them adding an everyday DH. Um, But if you're in, like we said, mid-March and there's multiple of these guys and that guy's going to cost 3 million on a one-year deal instead of like the seven or eight that he was asking for now. Yeah, I think it's possible. I mean, I think, you know, teams are going to get bargains like after the new year. I mean, Edwin wasn't a bargain, but I mean, that is sort of how even last year played out where it was like, okay, you know, we've made a ton of moves. I'm sure Han was happy, but it's like, well, wait, he's still out there. Oh, okay. I got the go ahead. So, okay. Now it didn't 
didn't work out this no. time around. But, you know, in theory, it easily could have. And the idea that they're like, okay, well, we got this money. We're not going to just spend it just to spend it. But it is there. And if something does fall into life, somebody comes knocking at the door, somebody's calling Tony LaRusa. Well, okay, let you know, let's pick up the phone. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad to know that. And I'm glad to see that, you know, as much as you can, you know, have some consternation over Dane Dunning going down to Texas for Lance Lynn. Okay, you know, we've talked about that a ton. Uh, the fact that they're moving into this phase where, A, they're willing to trade those guys for major league talent to help to just finish out the roster and improve what's on the roster, uh, but also that they have the guys that they can trade. I mean, I know that's probably been the case for a few years now, but they have the guys to make a deal like, you know, when Eloy came over, you know, from the Cubs, where they're in a position where they can have guys that have currency with other teams. And now that Han is, you know, willing to pull the trigger there, you know, providing their smart deals, this is what you got to do. There's only 26 roster spots, you know. Yeah, and I think this year will help too, you know, and it might be a segue, but, you know, having a minor league season, you'll actually like have guys playing this year. It was tough to make deals at the deadline. And it's one of the things people didn't understand, right? Like they talked to Texas. Sure. But if you go back to when they were talking to Texas about Lance Lynn, Dane Dunning wasn't Dane Dunning yet. And the second piece in that trade, Avery Weems, Texas liked what they saw when they saw him at Instructs. Like they, they hadn't seen Avery Weems before that really probably. So, you know, that's like not a deal that would have gotten made at last year's deadline, even though, you know, lots of people maybe think otherwise. And I guess you did sort of forecast where we're going with this next. And that is, again, not necessarily specific to, or not really because of what performance happened, say, at the major league level, uh, or maybe even at Chomberg. Uh, but who are some guys that jump out at you as a guy who studies this system so in depth, uh, who you really feel were most hurt by the fact that there was no season at all, or, you know, sort of this weird bastardized uh, Boomer Stadium mm-hmm. season for the minor leagues? Yeah, so I, I actually think, like, the guys – at Schaumburg, it was helpful for, um, you know, I do think, you know, sometimes they do leave the good prospects like in the minors too long. Like some of these guys can eat, can play or not. Like, I think we saw, they saw with Andrew Vaughn, like Andrew Vaughn didn't play higher than high A Winston Salem. And he was at the alternate site and he was the best player at the alternate site. And they're like, wow, this guy could probably hold his own in the big leagues. Right. (laughs) That would have never happened. Like Dane Dunning, um, Jimmy Lambert, like, those guys don't sniff the major leagues last year, probably. Like, if they, you know what I mean, if it wasn't the shortened season. So I think it did teach scouts and evaluators some stuff like, hey, you know, maybe we do slow play this a little bit. Now, the guys that it hurts, you know, are just the young guys that didn't get any reps that were working out on their own that weren't at the alternate site. And I think, like, for people that look at prospect lists, they're going to look a lot different over the next 18 months. I said this on another podcast. Like there's guys floating around out there in systems that like I've never heard of that are probably top 50 prospects in baseball right now, but they didn't play games last year. So like, we don't really know. Right. So there's like weird deals. Like even like, look, Avery Weems was a six round senior sign out of Arizona in 2019. He was mostly a money saver to pay for their high school picks. Usually those, those senior guys are, you know, minor league filler. They start, you know, they start games in the minor leagues for you, and then they end up being, like, org guys or, like, coaches in your system at some point. Well, they moved Avery Weems from starter to reliever. He was awesome at Great Falls. You know, his fastball's in the mid-90s, and their development people, like, got him a plus breaking ball, and now, like, he's used in a trade for Lance Lynn. I mean, that's how it's done, you know. I think going to next year, they basically wiped out short season, like, advanced rookie ball. The guys that it's really going to hurt – are just those guys that were kind of in between, right? So the White Sox have a lot of young outfielders 
that aren't necessarily ready for a ball, but there's nowhere else to send them. So they're going to be an a ball. Right. Yeah. So, you know, your guys like that were in the same international class as Luis Robert, Luis Mieses, mm-hmm. Anderson Comas, like guys like that, they're going to be playing in Canapolis or Winston and they might just be done there, yeah. you know, because like if you struggle there, there's nowhere to send back to you. This is one of the things that we've talked about at future socks is like, what do you do with a high school guy that tears up the AZL Right. And then you send him to eight low A and he's just struggling and can't get out of his own way. Now you don't have a great falls to send him back to. So what do you do at that point? Right. Like, do you let him flounder and stay in a ball or do you send him back to Arizona league, which he's already like conquered. So, you know, some of that stuff is going to be interesting. I don't completely disagree with major league baseball and streamlining the minors. I think a 20 round draft is fine. Draft doesn't need to be 40 rounds especially when teams are drafting, like, you know, their scouting director's niece and stuff like that, like towards the end. I mean, you know, it kind of seems like a waste of time. I think this does improve indie ball a little bit. I think indie, indie ball teams are way, are going to be way better because there's going to be guys that were in affiliates that now are playing indie ball. Um, it just, it sucks for, for small towns that have had affiliated teams that now don't. Um but I think it's going to be better for minor league players as a whole because they're going to get paid more and they're not going to have to travel as far. So, you know, we'll see um, how it goes. The Sox system is a little bit weird right now, and it's weird in a good way to where they have a lot of, like, teenagers and, like, young guys. Um, You know, of course, for the Sox, like, you know, as soon as they start to get with the times and inject some youth into their system, now they're getting an affiliate taken away, so there's nowhere for these guys to play. So it'll it'll be curious to see how they do. I mean, you know, I, I counted including um, like prospects from the Dominican summer league and their recent prep picks. There's like nine teenage outfielders, you know, that could matter in a sense that would be top 50 ish system prospects um, that now are not going to have anywhere to play. So they're just going to have to figure out how to do that. Does losing, uh, does this consolidation and this, this pullback in the minors is losing an affiliate, uh, because it's affecting everybody in the same way. Uh, is it going to ultimately reward teams that are with the smart hustle because of the indie ball, because of the fact you're scouting? I mean, you're not going to have any more slots to play guys, but if you do find some in indie ball, um, although I guess everybody's going to be, everybody's going to look at them too. But if you make that move, uh, you're able to replace, say your guys, maybe at, at Canapolis or in, in, in rookie ball, you know, you're able to upgrade. Is, is that going to help? Or is it really just, this is not going to matter. Are the cards just all on the ground and you pick one up, you're lucky. Yeah. I think, you know, I think, I think it helps the cheap teams, right? I mean, the whole issue is that like the smart teams, like the Yankees and some other ones, they had multiple rookie ball affiliates, right. you know, and they would just get millions and millions right. of prospects and they play them all because why would, why would you do that? Because like more bites of the apples, great. Absolutely. Right. But not everybody, not every owner sees it that way and they don't want to spend the money. Right. So they're like, well, it's not fair that the Yankees get to do that. Even though it's plenty fair, you could do it too. You just don't want to. Right. So like now those, those teams have basically won out and like made everything fair, I guess. So look, I think your good development teams are, I don't think anything's going to change with that. I think your good development teams are still going to be, you know, it's still going to be the Dodgers and, you know, I'm sure the Yankees will be fine with less affiliates. The one weird thing about the rule is it sounds like you're going to have 180 players in your, you're going to be allowed to have 180 players. Um, and that doesn't count the Dominican summer. League. 
So it seems like if you want to put a bunch of relievers at AAA, you can. There's, like, no roster limits anymore. Mm. It's just, like, you're going to have so many, like, at your four affiliates and then in Arizona. You know, and nobody really has that many. I mean, that's, like, what I was told there'd be no math, but that's (laughs) – you know, that's like what, like more than more than thirty per team. So, yeah, I mean that that's fine. Um, I don't, I don't, you know, changes over the next five years is kind of something that I'm looking at. You know, just because the you know the draft is going to be different with twenty rounds. I just think I think you could make the argument that a ball um, is going to be worse, but you could make the argument that it'll be like more exciting. I think. Because instead of, like, low A being littered with, like, a bunch of college guys, low A might be, like, the new rookie ball, where it's, like, super young dudes at low A. But if everybody else has their super young dudes there, too, it might be fine, right? Whereas, like, you know, you're not going to send a 17-year-old there to face, like, some 23-year-old college starter. But now maybe those college guys have to go to high A right away instead. You know, it, it just might change the way everything's done. And then maybe AAA isn't used for veteran, like, 4A-type filler anymore. Right? Yeah, that's like, what I was going to ask. Like, the White Sox under Getz have typically yeah. loaded Charlotte with, like, you know, your Nick Delmonico's of the world and, right. you know, journeyman pitchers, you know, and then they've kept their prospects at A. Like, maybe that changes now. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that, that would be an aspect of it could be a lot more exciting, compressing the system and making – Triple A, maybe for all teams, a little bit more legit. Not that we're decrying yeah. that or, or complaining well, because about I think, that. But... I think realistically what you said about indie ball, so use like Nick Delmonico, for example, right? Like maybe Nick Delmonico is yours, um, but he's on loan to, um, you know, and he's playing over in, in Rosemont or something for that Rosemont Dogs team, right? Right. And, and you need – an outfielder goes down and you need Delmonico instead of a prospect, but you can just pull him from the Indy league instead of from one of your affiliates. Like, I think that's part of like what the plan is. All right. At home, put down your pencils. I know you're still trying to do that math that James was struggling with. No, it's over. You're done. And you're cheating because you're at home listening. You can rewind and pause. We weren't, we were just trying to do this on the fly and we both failed. Uh, James, I think this probably wraps up our podcast. Hey, listen, it's the first time. It's number 14. It's the first time. We got to get you back on sooner than 14 more of these podcasts. So let's talk again real soon and, and do this. And I assume we're going to have, uh, given that I believe somebody told me that you're on Infant Watch, uh, maybe yeah. occasionally get in an opportunity to do some writing during that time. So hopefully we're going to see some uh, good writing for you uh, from you on Southside Sox in addition to Future Sox as well. So hopefully we're going to be seeing more stuff from you during this offseason as things continue to formulate for this 26-man roster. Absolutely. I, you know, I wrote about Jack Peterson a couple of weeks ago thinking that that was probably going to be the move. I thought I was getting out in front of things, and then they signed Adam, and then they signed Adam Eaton. So who do you – Then you remember you, White Sox. Yeah, so who do, you, who, do you, who do you not want at the back end of the bullpen, and maybe that's who I should write about because then they'll that's get somebody true. else. Oh, my yeah. God, yeah. That, that, yeah, I, I like that thinking. Uh Maybe if I write a, maybe if I write about Trevor Rosenthal, they'll sign Liam Hendricks two days later. Okay, final question. Uh, and by the way, congratulations! I believe a Thanksgiving baby first. Yeah, first child, yeah, correct? just yeah, just under the wire. Eleven fifty four p.m. on Thanksgiving. Oh, wow, nice! That is sweet. Okay, now uh, be honest, and I'm not going to get an exact amount from you, but how much White Sox stuff does the child already have? 
Just, I think just like some onesies and stuff. Yeah, my you got to start somewhere. Yeah, my wife is a huge Steelers fan, um, and he's already he's already watched a couple of bad Bears games. So I think, you know, I I think I think he might go Steelers White Sox. I think yeah. There's no way I'm letting him root for the Pirates, but (laughs) Steelers. I I don't I don't think I want to inflict the Bears on him. Listen, you can't blame a kid for front running. I mean, if that's way it's got to be, that's way it's got to be. He's coming into the White Sox at the right time, so yeah, we're all good with that. Yeah, his childhood will be much different than mine. He won't have the Cleveland Indians to deal with, apparently. Oh, my so. God. Lucky, 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 lucky kid. Yes, the Cleveland <laughs> yeah. whatever it's going to be. Yeah. Cleveland and, Rocks, baby. Yes, and he can Yes, he can shake his fist at the Cleveland Rocks or the Cleveland Spiders. Uh, all right, James, thanks for hopping on with us. Uh, again, thanks, everybody, for reading Southside Sox, listening to our podcast, and we'll have more stuff for you, I'm sure, just in a matter of a day or two. Thanks, everybody.